everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course, it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcement. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. It's your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, and joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello again, Ryan. It's Mr. Lee Price. Hi. And is Mr. Matt Lovell. Hello, Ryan. How are we all on day 9,255,012 of this isolation period that we seem to be in? I have to say, I'm quite happy with it at the moment. I'm not bored. I've still got plenty of things to do. It's given me some time to decompress. That's that's because you have more DVDs than a defunct branch of Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, I still haven't watched them. That's where all the DVDs went, right? <laughs> yeah. Keith's finally getting around to peeling all those three ninety nine for one night labels off. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Although I have found myself watching Disney on the D- Disney Plus, watching Star Wars when I've got all the Blu-rays like within hand's reach. So I just can't be bothered to get them out of the cases. Don't care about the beautiful 1080p full resolution. Let's go with whatever's streaming today. Yeah, it's not too bad. I found it's not been too bad actually for me on Disney Plus. It's been it's been reasonable. Mm. Yeah, I have Virgin Internet, and they're having good days and bad is the only way I can describe it. Some days everything's buttery smooth, and then the other days it's yeah, it's like trying to watch a potato overheat. I, I yep. think they're just like transferring. Same problem on this end. Yeah, I think they're just basically transferring the network load around Birmingham, so everybody has a couple of bad days and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can have good internet today, but not you over there. And then we'll swap tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, kind of similar uh, to you guys. Not it's, everything's been fine. I think um, I haven't. I've kind of forgot what it's like to wear jeans though, because I've kind of worn joggers for like the past six weeks. <laughs> And it's been brilliant. I like it. Everybody's look is basically ready for bed, whatever time of day it is. <laughs> um, but I went to the shop the other day. Uh, I saw someone from one of my networking groups, and I completely just forgot how you actually talk to other human beings. <laughs> and we just kind of had this really awkward, really quick conversation because neither of us were like really ready yet to talk to people in the real world. <laughs> Did you do the hello, hello, you okay? Yes, good to see you. Bye conversation. Yeah, <laughs> it's like respond with single words and non sequiturs. We can't afford to have a proper conversation. <laughs> People may be watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remain distant. <laughs> it's like we are living in that P- Mitchell and Webb sketch <laughs> with the quiz show. Remain indoors. Remember your parcels are dropped off on Thursday. <laughs> So what have we been up to since the last time we gathered virtually? Keith? I've been taking the opportunity to get all of those mundane house and garden chores that I've been putting off for 16 years done. Um, And wrestling with pressure washers and low water pressure. Um, Which is great fun. So you're just kind of like taking 
hose pipes uphill. Yeah. And then thinking, is this never going to work? But he did. There was a, there was a, there was a quarantine miracle. The pressure washer worked just long enough for me to get a job done. Now, did you um, imagine you were a flame trooper from Star Wars for spraying the pressure washer? No. No, I missed out on that. Although I did put my back out. That's the whole fun bit. You just let it... <laughs> Die, Rebel Scum. No, I, I didn't... Because didn't, it was so intermittent, it'd go for a bit and then stop. So it, it, there was no fun in it. You're it was exactly, actually frustrating. I going to say you were describing the typical Stormtrooper experience. All the equipment doesn't work. <laughs> but I can hit my targets... That was that was fine. Ah, that's where you're going wrong. <laughs> you need so, to spray. You need to jet yeah. wash the neighbours of the guard yeah. tanks. Although that did bother <laughs> me when I was rewatching Star Wars the other day, and Ben Kenobi was going on about how only storm, Imperial stormtroopers can be this accurate, this precise. I was thinking, what? <laughs> you make a thing out of the rest of it. They can't shoot a barn door for anything. Yet more showers. Yeah. Who are tiny, by the way. Imperial Stormtroopers are very good at shooting Jawas, just nothing else. I I can (laughs) imagine there's lots of casual accidental homicide in the Star Wars universe. People just standing next to the wrong person. Yeah. But that goes into the whole theory about how Star Wars and New Hope is apparently the Stormtroopers miss on purpose because that's how they get to the Rebel base and it's all a big plan by Mock Tarkin and Darth Vader. It does make that sequence with Han Solo mm. in the um, mm. detention centre very convincing. After yeah. they've blasted everything within sight randomly, apparently with absolutely no aim at all, and they just yeah. go, "Yeah, it's just everything's fine. It's okay. It's just normal." <laughs> so yeah, that's what you expect from stormtroopers. <laughs> We've just shot everything. Nothing's hurt. It's fine. Got very loud. The only problem with that plan, though, is the fact that like it means that they've deliberately shooting up their own space stations. And I just don't. I don't think that's a smart idea. If if you're trying to do anything, to be honest. Well, considering they're ma- modelled on probably the world's largest military, I wouldn't be shocked. Considering the amount of times they shoot their own stuff mm. and their allies stuff by accident. Mm. Perhaps mm. they were student stormtroopers. Because <laughs> ah. if you ever have students living in like houses, they're always throwing darts in the roof and you know exploding <laughs> things and stuff. <laughs> What posters were that's they what, have? That, all these stormtroopers have put... That's how they afforded the second Death Star, because yeah. they got all of the um, kind of like security deposits from all the stormtroopers that were working on the first one. So like, I was, they were going to blow it up anyway, <laughs> eventually. So we've got enough money for buying the next one. What, do you th- what posters do you think a student stormtrooper would have in their dorm room? Just like a nice little speeder bike in the side. Max Max Rebo. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine like a meet his murder poster, but instead of Morrissey, it's Max Rebo. <laughs> Couple of tweets. Is Max Rebo the the Morrissey of the Star Wars yeah. universe? Is there is there a point now where nobody really likes him because he said some really kind of like questionable things in his later career? You get a Twi'leks illustrated poster on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do Twi'leks play tennis? <laughs> you could get that poster. Jab, jab of the hut holding a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> Topless. Dark side of Yavin. Joys of Star Wars. Eh? <laughs> anyway, Lee, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? 
Uh, when when not playing Animal Crossing, I have been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm. uh, which I recently obtained, and um, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, very different to the original, and not just because of its graphical upgrade. Um, just they've added so much extra stuff. It's um, it's kind of ridiculous. Like bits that would have taken you like maybe half an hour in the original, they've now taken you like four hours to get through. Because they've just padded it out so much. Did you do the little victory battle music to yourself when you picked your coffee up? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Is Cloud still, Sword still There's, there's a great bit in... Sorry. Oh, it's huge. It's massive. <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> I was going to say, because it it's blatantly it, not... it looks even more absurd with the realistic graphics. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it basically looks like he's walking around with a bit of welding iron, I think. Just like a girder. Just sharpened <laughs> mm-hmm. to a point. Mm-hmm. It, 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 pretty much goes, it pretty much goes from his shoulders to, like, the back of his knees. It's, like, all the way down there. And it's just like, does that not just whack against your legs while you're walking? <laughs> <laughs> Has it still got a little spindly kind of hilt to it? Yeah. Yes. It just yes, looks it like it just couldn't handle the. It would snap at any point. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think it's made out of balsa wood. Mm-hmm. It, it looks even more ridiculous because they've got it. <laughs> I mean, it's the only way it would work because they've tried to make it look extra realistic. So it looks very metallic and looks a lot heavier now. And it's just like, yeah, this this is not going to hold. Um, I've been playing it as well and I think um, it's just they've like upped the anime aspect to the max Um, there's a motorcycle sequence and it's just it's like the stereotypical kind of anime style motorcycle fight where here's here's a a rival soldier who comes in and the rival soldier comes in and he's like, I've, I've got to fight you now, and then we can be the best friends, but also enemies at the same time. Are there like cuts to like a complete face face shot with just their eyes glinting at each other? With random sound effects. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but give it time, I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> I can just imagine, so how... I can just imagine I just... like Dragon Ball Z with like just ah, at each other all the time whilst powering up their <laughs> That hasn't happened yet. How far through the game as we know it does this first part take you? Have you got to the end game yet? Or So this bit would go... So this remake goes up to um, the end of the Midgar section in the original game. So it's like the very... When you head out into the world, that's where this remake stops. Um, I'm nowhere near that bit yet. I've just landed in the church with Aerith. I've just gotten to that bit. Um, so, yeah, like they, but it is, it's taking a lot longer to get through than the original. I'm mostly looking forward to the wall market section. So I'm just, I know that that's coming soon and I'm just, I'm gearing up for that one because I, I need to see Cloud in a dress. It needs to happen. And I've heard that that whole sequence just gets more audacious than it was in the original game, and I'm just ready for it. <laughs> so do you get Golden Saucer in this this, this 
chapter or is that in a few not in this not in this one because that happens much later in the original game um i think that's on like a different continent from what i'm remembering mm-hmm. so sadly no gold also no chocobo racing no chocobos that was the best bit chocobo breeding <laughs> Making your own Frankenstein Chocobo creations. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to shoehorn it into this one, even though we don't get to that bit, but you know. I'm sure there'll be a we'll nod to it at some point. Mm. I mean, the, the Chocobo summon is still in there, so there is that. It'll just be on a screen in the background, like a race that you can just see in the background. I remember mm-hmm. it being like... And there's been like little references like that on the scenery, so yeah. w- it wouldn't be surprising if they did that. So. Say, isn't it like the worst summon, the Jacobo Stampede, that you get? I mean, it was... I think it is like the first one you get originally, so that kind of makes sense, because, you know, if the first the first one's the, the rubbish one, and then you build up to the Knights of the Round, which, you know, you... You launch that one and you just leave the room for four hours and then come back and you can carry on. Yeah, that's pretty much the final battle, isn't it? Nights around, ten minutes. Nights yeah. around. <laughs> ten minutes. Nights around. Yeah. I wonder how that would work under the current new system, because I'm just imagining like it loading in the twelve, thirteen nights or whatever, and then just the entire game crashing. <laughs> <laughs> Useful high fidelity of all the knights just going. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fun so far. Um, new battle se- new battle system is really fun to get on get along with. It looked a lot more complicated than it actually is, so that's that's been pretty fun. Just finding out that it's actually oh, it's actually really simple and really intuitive, and everyone just really wants Cloud as well, which is odd, considering he's just such a terrible person for most of the, most of the time. He's the angry... Just every angry female character man. just, just yeah. on him. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. the angry <laughs> guy that everybody seems to want. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, that's mainly what I've been up to, apart from, like, you know, video stuff that I've been doing, so... Calling us out for not watching your control video. That's I felt really bad about that. <laughs> I, I didn't see that because I hadn't played the game. And then I was watching the chat corner and I was like, okay, okay, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going immediately to watch it. Yeah. Not just you, it's every single viewer that I have. Yeah, I felt really, I, just, I just felt totally called out. It was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch it. I know I skip I know I watched the Batman one and then I skipped it and then I watched Chatty Corner, but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch it now. Yeah. But it did, all I did was like, I saw you know, wait for that to come to um, Game Pass because it does look a good game, but it's another one where I, I kind of go, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get to the mm-hmm. end of this game. It's it's just just one I'm just never mm-hmm. get to the end of. But it looks great. Yeah. If you're not don't know what mm-hmm. we're referring to, mm-hmm. Lee has his YouTube channel Bob the Pet Ferret, which we urge you to go and subscribe and then like mm-hmm. watch all the videos. Yes. Watch all, all the videos, so you'll get you'll get called out. Yes. He'll have a list of mis- all ten years of videos. Go and watch all ten years of videos. Be a You've got time. You've got time. Yeah. <laughs> and here's a list of people who have not watched the video this week. <laughs> you can have like an anti anti Patreon at the end of your video. 
<laughs> oh, if only, if only like YouTube Studio would tell me that. It's great. You can have a league table then, um, and so you become real competitive. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm at the bottom of the table. I've got to get my way up. I've got to watch some more videos. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You could do it on a comments per video basis. Start cracking. <laughs> I think that's giving Lee a little bit more extra work. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt, what have you been up to in the last few weeks since we last spoke to you? Uh, to be honest, the most productive thing I've done is uh, do a lot of washing, a lot of laundry, and fold it and put it all away at the same time rather than leaving it just clean on my bed for like <laughs> weeks. Um, but outside of work, really, I've pretty much been, I watched The Mandalorian, started watching uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars on Disney Plus, and um, a couple of my friends and I have been playing Civilization VI quite a lot, which has been quite mm. quite nice, quite cathartic. How, how long does a diplomatic victory victory strategy last about 30 minutes or well um the, they, they kind of changed changed the game when i discovered that you can so basically with religion with faith you can purchase rock bands in the latest stages that you can then name <laughs> and then take them on tour around everyone else's continent so basically um two of my friends they go for the science and the military victory one of my friends goes for culture, and then I just ended up just playing um, band hero sim and just sending as many bands as I can <laughs> around everyone's continents. Uh, just I'm just enjoying the idea that you're taking over the world with Christian rock. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing is, everyone's there be like, what, why, why is my city losing loyalty? I'm like, Christian rock. <laughs> you're not making music, you're not making Christianity better, you're making rock worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that's pretty much what I've been doing. <laughs> See, I always describe Civilization Six as like virtual monopoly. As in, it starts off everybody's nice and friendly, and like, oh, you you set up over there, I'll have my bit of the island. Half an hour in, you're just tearing at each other, and like, just want want to like <laughs> flip the table, but you can't because you got your laptop on it. And just like in Monopoly, Gandhi threatens to nuke you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think my favourite, really, because uh, we have some of the AI in there as well, and they are the best thing because they just they just have no logic whatsoever. You're there being like, can I can I can I have some spice? It's like, yeah, you can have some spice if you give us two hundred gold per turn, um, one of these cities, and three little resources, and you're like, what? And they will go to war with you, and then, like, one turn later, be like, let's be friends. Let's be best friends. Let's declare friendship. You're like, what? <laughs> it's just, there's just no. Are they there's, playing there's, there's Dune no by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time spice is that valuable, is in Dune. Yeah, maybe they were in the wrong RTS. <laughs> uh, well, it's also just things like. Um, they're there being like, oh, we're in alliance, but then they start stockpiling loads of troops just outside your borders, and you're there being, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine, we're best friends. And then suddenly, you've <laughs> just got, they've just been saving armies for like 40 turns, just ready to just steamroll you. You're like, okay, <laughs> cheers. I remember one Civ game that I played, one Civ game that I played, I um, 
ended up being like the mediator for every other country because I ended up having the biggest military and just everyone else was going to war and then everyone kept coming to me and be like, can you help us win this war against this other place? And I'm just like, sure, why not? Give me loads of money. <laughs> yeah. I always love the terrible art that you have as well with like just, you have one pose per per, her- per um, faction. <laughs> So, like, when you're being denounced by Abraham Lincoln, he's still looking, like, super smart and, <laughs> like, giving a glorious speech. <laughs> I hate you. I really hate you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, but probably the best decision in Civ Six is to have Sean Bean voices absolutely everything. <laughs> like, the introductions to every Civ, he voices, like, all of the great works, absolutely everything, and it's it's beautiful. Like it's just it's just so carving. <laughs> Does he not die halfway through the voiceover? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford Sean Bean anymore. Everybody, Sean Pertwee. We <laughs> couldn't get Sean Pertwee either. Here's Gerard Butler. <laughs> just any angry northerner available for like excellent voice recording. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching the uh, Assassin's Creed, um, whatever it is, Viking Asgard, Valhalla. Valhalla. There we go. It's one of the Norse mythologies. Oh, Valhalla. Yeah. Valhalla. And, and I was expecting a voiceover by Sean Bean in that, just because it's like North England with angry people <laughs> in it. So I just automatically assumed Sean Bean would be involved at some point in this. <laughs> it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a Keanu Reeves reveal for Cyberpunk. <laughs> Just out of nowhere, suddenly. <laughs> no, no, we... Exactly the same reveal. He's going to have the sunglasses and everything. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Ultra DLC is Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> just like he's in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, just comes out and starts shouting, shouting at people. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Blessed should be in more stuff. We should treasure him as much as possible at the minute. Mm-hmm. He should do. He should do most voice. Brian Blessed would improve everything. Every video game tutorial should be voiced by Brian Blessed. Wessex, <laughs> you bloody idiot! Go See, on, now I'm just thinking. It. Now I'm just thinking Tom Nook, played by Brian Blessed. <laughs> just imagining how that would work. Don't put it there. You put it over here. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel's alive! <laughs> Here's my two idiot sons, Tommy and Timmy. Boys! <laughs> <laughs> so, what have I been doing uh, since we last spoke to you? Uh, I mowed the lawn. So, I've been waiting for eight weeks for a cordless lawnmower to arrive. So, that was like the highlight of a couple of weekends ago. Still on my Mammoth Clone Wars rewatching, so I'm just at the start of season five. So I'm watching them all in chronological order, which means some back and forth going. So it's really confusing if you watch it out of chronological order the first time. There's like some of the rookies are like full on arc troopers in a couple of episodes if you get it in the wrong order. It's really good. But yeah, enjoying it. So I'm about two thirds of the way through now, so really been enjoying it. 
and it annoys me so much that the amount of story that's in there, which if you've not watched the Clone Wars, you don't have the knowledge of what happens between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. It's kind of like this this entire extra world gets added if you watch it between the two. It's a bit of a shame that with yeah. with both that and Rebels, you've got two shows that end up being better than a lot of the films. Ooh. I mean, obviously, they've got a lot of space to tell really good stories, but yeah. I found myself much more engrossed and invested in what was happening in both Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. Really. I think that my favourite characters in Star Wars have come out of those shows. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've just got to the bit where Maul shows up and it's like, ooh, there's an actual, like, here's the big bad revealed. And it's like actually having some depth to the character of Darth Maul rather than, oh, look, he's got a giant chopstick and he spins it a lot. And yeah. he doesn't like Liam Neeson, which is all you get in the first film. Where you actually get like a fully rounded character instead of Dwayne Benzie from Spaced running jumping around. Yeah, it's brilliant. He handled the, uh, the, the resurrection of Maul. Yeah. in that show so anyway that that's pretty much what we're going to be covering off this week I think uh, so just coming up on the show we'll be having a talk about some of the Star Wars franchises which isn't out of the main nine movies considering it was Star Wars Day in the week that we're recording this uh, we'll be looking into some future games of May 2020 uh, we'll be reviewing uh, a short film which you might have seen popped up on Netflix which is Code 8 and a little bit of extra stuff in between that. So we'll be back with you in a little bit. Code 8 is a little sci-fi movie that you might have seen drop on Netflix the last couple of weeks. It's been very popular, actually. I think it's in the top 10 worldwide viewed things on Netflix. Probably more due to the fact that it's got Stephen Amell, who you might know as Arrow, or has just come off the back of playing Arrow on TV for the last almost a decade. So this was a kickstarted project uh, or Indiegogo or one of those crowdfunding websites and it was originally a very short movie and then they decided to try and make it into a full feature film and then got a lot of fan backing and now he's out and it's uh, quite an interesting sci-fi tale where it's basically people with super, very much following the X-Men theme, people with superpowers uh, are out wild in the world and being oppressed by pretty much everybody and it's how do they get through their lives and then get a typical bad guy with a heart of gold story at the center of it keith i not going to say forced you to watch this but you've you've enjoyed (laughs) you you suggested i watched it yeah i mean i put it on my list to watch a while back because obviously the people involved were quite interesting and the, the general premise sounded quite interesting um having now watched it um i think while it looks great obviously a lot of money's been spent on it it's it's well sharp the the effects work is really brilliant i just felt that um it falls a little flat um in terms of it doesn't really tell that great a story there's lots of great ideas in there um particularly the idea of powered people not being heroes as such, but just another member of the workforce. In the opening opening titles, they kind of establish a world where powered people do a lot of the complicated jobs that have now been 
um, taken away by machines, and they have robots as policemen in there, which is which is a nice visual conceit that they do. And I can see a direct correlation between this and something like um, Neil Blokamp's work, so District Nine and Chappie, yeah. and a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of Chronicle mm -hmm. in there. Um, Joss Trank's kind of kind of teenage superhero thing, yeah. um, but ultimately gets bogged down in the kind of bad Breaking Bad style of like the criminals have too much to do and there's not enough really for uh, the other characters to do and they've they've got a geezer in there from um, the Fast and Furious franchise um, who gets is gets a medal at the end and and I'm still kind of figuring out. Why have you got a medal? You've you've you didn't do anything. You kind of wandered around, occasionally got shot at, and it's like, why why have you you didn't crack this case? What's going on? There was no case cracked. Um, looks nice. I it was a little bit underwhelmed overall. I think um, I watched uh, straight afterwards. I watched the kind of original short that they did, which again has a lot of promise, but I don't. I just didn't think there was enough in there. Um, to sustain a, an hour and 40 minute long movie. I, thought, I think the focus for me was all on the wrong elements. Um, there wasn't really anybody in there that I f empathized with. I mean, um, if, if you could say anything, I would be, I, you would say this is a film that basically went with great power comes great irresponsibility. Um, because, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Stephen's role in the shore is to just voice some robots. In this one, it's to just be like the bad arrow. It's like, yeah, I'm a gangster. I'm like going to do some bad things. I mean, the way I describe it um, is, it felt like this was a TV pilot movie. It's like it's something you'd expect, like on Sci-Fi Channel, where they'd like drop yeah. the pilot as a feature-length pilot, and then you'd go into actually having some actual proper stories in, in it. I think it would have worked better as a TV series, yeah. given more time to explore the world. Yeah. Um, because there's lots of nice conceits in there, these whole drone ships and yeah. stuff that they've got going around and dropping these robot cops. Um, but there's just, there's just not enough of it. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, they kind of promise more than they deliver. Yeah, I mean, the world building was fascinating, and that seems to be discarded for, as you said, pretty much a boilerplate, run in the mill, bad guy with a heart of gold, trying to do everything he can to save his mom, and getting himself into trouble the way the, way the storyline works out. And it's pretty much you can call exactly what's going to happen in the plot from five miles away from the first five minutes of watching it. You know he's going to get double-crossed at some point. You know there's going to be a big heart-to-heart -heart with his mum and there's going to be all the regrets and everything. You know there's going to be a payoff at some point. You know the cop's going to be trying to do the right thing and having a corrupt partner and all that kind of thing. And you guaranteed this is pretty much as you'd expect a typical sci-fi movie plot to be. Yeah, I think as a passion project by the Amal Brothers, um, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot worse that's been kind of crowdfunded yeah. and produced. I've seen a lot worse that's been given studio yeah. money, and you can point at another film on Netflix that was given a lot of, of um, publicity a, a while ago. I think it's called Bright, starred somebody called Will Smith, um, which promised a lot, but mm. ultimately was like utter. Bobbins. Cobblers, if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, Bobbins, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> ultimately Code 8, strangely enough, in the film, they don't really get to what Code 8 
is or why it's there, why it's the title of the movie. Yet in the short, they kind of make that quite clear straight away that the code A is a kind of like off somebody, one of the powered people doing something like bad. It's like, you know, somebody, and they don't really make a lot of that. And a lot of the characters in this one, in in the main film, just don't really have anything to to do as such. Mm. Um, So I think looks great, even you know, but ultimately isn't that amount to much. Yeah, I was say, even the bad guys are just low-level bad guys. Is the way I describe them. There's like, there's no real like threat to the movie. There's no real, there's no real thing that they're yeah. fighting against. It's just basically some low-level criminals trying to make a big school. But they don't really think things through. They have the whole situation that um, all the criminal activity is based around this. Um, Pyro, I think they call it, the a, a, a drug that's that's made out of the spinal fluid of powered people, yeah. and yet it just seems to be any other drug. You know, there's but there's elements of this that you go. Stevens just took a couple of the episodes of Arrow where they had stuff going yeah. on, and he's just dropped a couple of extra robots in there because like they didn't have enough robots in Arrow, so we'll just regurgitate that script. But there was no sense of like that drug having some kind of secondary effect yeah. uh, effect that maybe like, you know, non-powered people would suddenly do something, which could have been a quite interesting thing to have. Um, and the fact that they were all powered as well was kind of like a bit random. It would have been, I did quite like the bits where the guys that were trying to get jobs were all powered guys. Yeah. And there was that a sense of that kind of um, exploitation yeah. of people with powered um, abilities, which is quite nice. Like, you could see there was some social consciousness mm. to to some of the storytelling. Yeah. I just don't think they did enough with it. It kind of just ended up being a I, I think it run of the mill yeah, gangster story. It needed a tighter script editor, basically, either that or do it like an anthology series. Some a, a world like that would be great for an anthology series, where you could just drop in one character, one week's episode bit of world building and then just keep moving on and i think as i said that would have worked as like a feature-length pilot to get you this is how the world of code eight works and then you shift on to another character or even just like one of the characters in it like focus on the cop the next episode on a different case and it would have really worked quite nicely i mean i said the special effects are amazing in it and you can tell that's where possibly the bulk of the money's gone is to making it feel like as I said, a, a quite well, well paid TV show. It looks it looks really good, and the effects work is is really brilliant. And I think it's got potential. Just needs a beefier story. I mean, I'd said if you're interested in those kind of sci-fi movies, and you're not expecting a lot from from the plot wise, think of it as basically this is a feature length CW superhero episode. Is it's got a very with, with a bit of way, wayward swearing yeah. for effect, like a late yeah. night CW show. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think it works. <laughs> it works well enough that it deserves having eyes on it, and possibly... uh, yeah, it's, it's it's watchable. Yeah. It's not it's not trash by any any sense of um, in, in sense of the word. It's just a little underwhelming. You kind of think they could have done a lot more with this. I think there's more entertainment in um, it than an episode of Tiger King. Depending on your choice, your issue. But yeah, yeah, I mean, solid C, C plus for me. That's where I put it. I mean, yeah. I've watched I, I, worse on the TV on the Sci Fi Channel. Anything from the Asylum yeah. 
automatically is is put to shame by this. They probably have similar budgets. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think anything that's been produced by the Asylum is definitely worse than this. And by a sinister squad that you made us watch a few years back. I didn't make you watch that. <laughs> that, that I mean, that was that was unwatchable. <laughs> Almost and stuff. This isn't unwatchable. It's it's watchable. You just you just feel a little disappointed yeah. that they don't do more with the premise yeah. that they could. There's a lot of potential in yeah. it. It's, I mean, I'd like to see them, as I said, revisit as a TV show more than a film if they if they decide to carry on with this project because it's something that's taken them four years to get from the original short to get produced and funded and then filmed and distributed. So, I mean, yeah. Seems to have had a lot of love thrown into it. Oh yeah, you can you can feel the fact that they've genuinely cared about it, um, but um, that unfortunately doesn't show through in the the story they chose to tell no. in this this uh, um, particular film. Yeah, a little less generic, I think, and and it would have been uh, much more worthy. Hello, and welcome to the portion of the show where I talk about the gaming highlights from the past two weeks. My game of the week for last week was the long-awaited Streets of Rage 4, the return of Sega's iconic Mega Drive brawler series. And it looks like more of the same. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up featuring the classic characters from the past with a few new additions like the rad-looking rock chick, Cherry Hunter. I loved the first two Streets of Rage games, and this looks set to elevate the formula to the modern era. It even has a suitably rave-like soundtrack to retain that classic 90s vibe. 100% on board with this return. And Game of the Week this week is Someday You'll Return, finally launching on Steam after a month's delay. It's a horror game about a man who's lost his daughter and no, it's not Silent Hill. It's a first-person psychological horror game about a father searching for his daughter in a place he'd rather not return to. And the game promises a bunch of secrets and hard truths will emerge from his journey. Using stealth elements and a dose of Czech mythology, Someday Your Return looks like a very interesting horror title. Streets of Rage 4 is a collaboration of Dotemu, Lizard Cube, and Guard Crush, uh, with, of course, the backing of Sega. And it's released for PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox, pretty much everything. Uh, it's also in Game Pass, I believe, for Xbox. And Someday Your Return is from Czech developer CBE Software, and it's released for Steam. And with that, let's get back to the main show, shall we? So it was May the 4th on the week that we're recording this, which everybody knows is Star Wars Day. Or, if you're a Sith fan, it's always, it's Revenge of the Fifth. So um, we thought we'd have a look at the, some of the Star Wars franchise outside of the main nine movies. So we're looking at some of the TV the books, the additional films, the video games, and what's now deemed as mostly Legends lore. So there's a bit of canon, that's still classed as canon, but there's quite a lot of it got transferred during the Disney schism, transferred to LucasArts. So, uh, Keith, start us off, what's your favourite bit of Star Wars outside the first nine movies? Uh, It's a a bit of a double header. Um, My my best, my, my ultimate favourite bit is the Gendi Totoski Clone Wars series oh. that appeared um, in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and leads directly in. Um, it was originally shown on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we got it uh, like quite four, soon after the Americans did. Yeah, it was like four minute vignettes, if I remember. And it was like yeah, the first, the first season's very short episodes. Very, very short. A couple of minutes at, at most. And then the second season, they run for a bit longer, so they're 10, 15 minutes long. Yeah, and they're kind of set 
uh, they kind of give you more of the information about what's happening with uh, the battles in the Clone Wars. And they tell a little bit more of um, Anakin's descent into the darker side of the Force. Um, but it's br brilliantly done. A lot of it is done without dialogue. Um, they really establish how powerful these characters are. There's a, a sequence. They have individual episodes that focus on some of the um, Jedi that you see but don't really find out a lot about. So you see um, Kit Fisto do a whole thing where he's yeah. fighting with uh, Mon Calamare. There's a whole sequence where um, Mace Windu takes out thousands and thousands and yeah. thousands of battle droids. Uh, and then it builds up and it introduces uh, Ace Ventress and a couple, a couple of the other characters. Um, but it's just beautifully done. And literally, the final scene leads directly into the first seconds of um, Revenge of the Sith. And it was, it was a brilliant show. I think it's, a, it's been retconned out of um, stuff now because of the official Clone Wars series yeah. coming out. Um, but if you can find it or get hold of it, it, as a piece of art, and if you're a fan of things like Samurai Jack and Primal and stuff like that, it's just beautifully animated, and, you know, just fantastically brilliant storytelling. Yeah, I mean, um, it's the only version that I know that General Grievous is actually menacing in it. He's actually like well, a the introduction of villain. yeah, the introduction of General Grievous is in one episode where they have a Jedi who's basically shaggy, yeah. um, which is which is great, and they have uh, Kiadi Mundi's there as well. But he he he's genuinely frightening. You can understand why people are, are scared of him. Um, and they give a, give him a reason why he coughs in the film. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a just a great, um, great show. I think it, it, some elements of it now have been reworked back in to yeah. the the bigger Stone Wars, yeah, the, Star Wars kind of canon. Say, the Kit Fisto Mon Calamari bit was completely redone in Clone Wars. Mm. Um, but it's, it's beautiful to look at. Just really, you know, there's very, very limited amount of dialogue in there, and it's yeah. just, just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it it fixes a lot of the issues that I had with Attack of the Clones, with General Grievous basically just being some big spinny fan machine that we get in Revenge of the Sith, and it's like, give, as I said, it, it's brilliant if you watch it as just as a movie as well. You can like really just get through it as like a movie i think it was released on dvd over here in the uk so you still won't be able to pick it up but it is one of those things where you can actually just watch it as a entire little cinematic thing rather than having just a little interspersed episodes yeah you, you can watch it all the way through as just one big movie and there's some brilliant foreshadowing of, of what's going to happen um later on cool. and your other selection was <laughs> strangely enough another uh, cartoon series I'm just so predictable. Uh, it's um, Rebels, which takes place just prior to the events of um, New Hope. Yeah. Um, and again, started off first season, wasn't so sure. Was a little bit too. I don't want to use the term kid friendly. Yeah. But there was a little bit of slapstick and a little bit of kind of like silly humour just yeah. in there for, for for no real reason than, than to appeal to kids and then it suddenly went yeah we're just going to tell a good story and really doubled down on developing some of the most outstanding characters to ever exist in the Star Wars universe mm -hmm. um, you've got Kanan Jarrus you've got um, Sabine Wren you've got um, all of those like just amazing characters uh, that that um, Ezra Bridger, everybody talks about these characters now as if they're going to reappear at some point and they, they bring back Ahsoka Tano as well 
Uh, and they just, just do some wonderful things in that series. It's, it's incredible. Um, doesn't run for very long. You know, it's only five seasons, I think. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, just wonderful. There's the relationships that are built up in that series are just incredible. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a special place for it as well because um, they bring back one of the, what was the, the Legends is Greatest Characters as well in that. Yeah, Thorn. Yeah. 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 They, also, they also round out the Obi-Wan um, Darth Maul mm-hmm. uh, story as well, really nicely. Yeah. Um, there's some just there's just some really powerful storytelling in there, and it's it's not surprising that Dave Filoni has been given a lot of free reign in the Star Wars universe based on what he did originally with Clone Wars, yeah. then did with Rebels, uh, and then has done more recently with The um, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah, just amazing that you, I've felt so much more connected to those characters than really anybody else. Outside of my initial kind of like nine-year-old obsession with Han Solo and Chewbacca, um, you know, they're kind of just real, rounded, real characters. Yeah, and you can feel a massive amount of empathy for them in the situation they're in because they actually like. It feels like there actually is the rebellion with them and yeah. the whole, the whole bits of cells being here, left and right and centre, and them not interacting with each other. It, it rounded out the. Rebel Alliance to me a lot more. Mm. In the way you can see, you can feel a lot of the same kind of thing in in, in the Rogue One. Yeah, this yeah, sense absolutely. of like not everybody's going to make it out. Yeah, and they they do have some kind of um, outs for characters that are too, too were too popular to, to kind of bump off. But yeah, um, it, it did it did go from being quite slight to being one of the most deeply emotional um, series. Lee, what would your piece of the Star Wars universe outside the main nine movies be that you like the most? So, my experience with the Star Wars universe is seven of the nine films. So there you go. <laughs> None of the games. <laughs> None of the games. See, this is worse than Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen episode two or nine, so uh, and then beyond that, it, if I had to pick anything, it would be the disco version of Cantina Band. Honestly, <laughs> I mean that is a great tune. Just like <laughs> pop into a DJ set halfway through. So yeah, I love yeah. that one. There was there was mm-hmm. a disco version of the main theme as well. I'm sure yes. in in 1977. It was the one. It was the yeah. all one track. It was yeah. all one track. Horrendous. Yeah, it's still not as bad as the Han Solo <laughs> dancing simulator that was on the Wii. Or was that the Connect? <laughs> oh no, sorry, Kinect that's my favourite. Connect <laughs> Star Wars dance off. Connect <laughs> uh, Star Wars. What was it? I'm Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a it was a parody of yeah. Jason Derulo or something. I think <laughs> riding solo. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. The, strangely enough, the dancing thing. I, if people who thought that the Star Wars special was the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars, I don't know how, but somebody <laughs> I know, and, and it may have come from another source, posted on Facebook this week a clip from a Donnie and Marie special. 
Donnie and Marie has, Osborne, Osmond. Donnie and Osmond. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> For those of you that have that have older <laughs> six hundred million years old, yeah, they had Donnie and Marie dressed up as uh, Luke and Leia, which was great. And then I was staggered to see Chris Christopherson dressed up as Han Solo, which was bizarre. And then they had a bizarre troop of of stormtroop men, stormtroopers, male stormtroopers who were dressed up in full stormtrooper costumes. But then the lady stormtroopers, for some reason, seem to have a lot less to wear, <laughs> who seem to be in more danger of being, you know, injured in, did, did a, they have, in a regular stormtrooper encounter. Did they have typical RPG armor, did they? <laughs> it was, I, did, I have no idea what was going on. I'm sure there was an R2-D2 and a C-3PO in there as well. But it just seemed to be like, this is just totally bizarre. I have no idea what's going on here. At least the Luke Skywalker and Chewbacca turning up in the Muppets made sense um, when I saw that. But See, this is the thing. Like I always forget that the first Star Wars movie is from the 70s, and then you point, me to, point me at things like that, and you're like, oh yeah, that was very 70s. It was truly bizarre. I'll have to, I'll have to dig it out and post it in the... Um... In the group Facebook, he, it was you just got, the thing mm-hmm. was Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. as Han Solo. I was like, "What is going on here?" This is you crazy. can imagine him in Star Wars, though. I mean, you can imagine him as like a bounty hunt, grizzled old bounty hunter. I mean, he'd work as a character. Yeah, I mean, they, there's there's your free idea, Kathleen Kennedy, Chris Christopherson as Dengar, like a retired bounty hunter called back into service. You can have him in Man- Mandalorian, like in season three. But they have to get a move on and get Christopher Walken back in, as as he was a, a one of the original choices for Han Solo. Yeah. They could get him back in. They could get him in, and he's like, there's some kind of like you know Jedi Jedi holocron that he's been holding on to for a long time. Okay. He's got to pass on to somebody. I had this. Your dad, your, your dad gave this holocron to me. <laughs> I'm just trying past. to imagine the Han Solo lines as spoken by Christopher Walken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It just that just would not work, would it? <laughs> I thought you were gonna try it then. I can see it on your face. You were so close to trying it. <laughs> Nobody could do the Crystal Walking voice, that's the problem apart from Crystal Walking. I'm not even gonna attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for yet another edition of the pool list. This time I'll be looking back at some of the comics that I've loved that may be new to you for new to you comic book day. Where possible, I'd like you to reach out to your local comic book store. A list of the big UK ones can be found on my regular comics post on the Geeky Boomer website, and if you can, make a purchase from them. Otherwise, you'll probably be able to find most of these comics available on Comixology or Amazon. Because it was Star Wars Day recently, I'm going to take a look at three fabulous Star Wars comics. My first choice this week is the Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, the original Marvel Years Volume 1, and this clocks in at a massive 486 pages. Marvel Comics published the original Star Wars comics from 1977 to 1986 and published the first original work in the expanded universe with the story The Keeper's World. The creators who worked on this series included Archie Goodwin, Howard Shaken, Al Williamson, Carmine Infantino, Gene Day, Walter Simonson, Michael Golden, Chris Claremont, Wallace Portico, Mary Jo Duffy and Ron Frez. These comics now come under the Legends banner and have been collected in various forms over the years. I'm picking the Epic Collection edition for a very special reason. These editions often come with material that was produced for the Star Wars Weekly comic here in the UK and in later volumes includes work by Alan Moore. 
There's something wonderful about these comics. At this point, nobody knew anything about how the Star Wars story would unfold on the big screen. Empire was still three years away, and the creators of these comics jumped in with both feet and had a great time making it up as they went along. With the control now exerted over the Star Wars franchise, these kinds of tales are unlikely to ever happen again. The art is beautiful, and Carmine Infantino draws a sensational Princess Leia. And who couldn't love a comic that introduces a humanoid rabbit smuggler named Jackson to the Star Wars universe? Go read it and feel like that nine-year-old kid who'd fallen in love with a galaxy far, far away all over again. My next choice is also part of the Legends line and is essentially the Star Wars version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It's Star Wars, Tag and Bink were here. This clocks in at 103 pages. This series was originally part of the Dark Horse comics line of Star Wars books and tells the tale of Tag and Bink in a series of comics that parody the original films. Tag and Bink were created by writer Kevin Rubio and artist Lucas Marangan. They are a pair of Jedis in training who end up causing all the pivotal events in the prequel and original trilogies. The creators have great fun here, having Tag and Bink's exploits explain some of the implausible events of the movies. It's a joy to see key moments seen from the points of view of characters who just can't help get into trouble. This is a collection well worth adding to your Star Wars collection. One of the joys of my childhood was reading the comic adaptations of my favourite movies in a time before VHS or DVD. They were the only way to relive those epic moments again and again. The Marvel adaptations are great, but have you ever seen the manga versions? Then you should check out Star Wars Manga, A New Hope Volume 1. Told over a series of volumes covering the original trilogy and episode 1, these manga Star Wars comics are incredible. Lifting the dialogue straight from the films, these black and white comics look amazing. The world of Star Wars translates perfectly into this format and you really should experience it. Every Wednesday on the Geek Boomy website, until our comic shops are open, I'll be selecting some more new-to-you comics you may find enjoyable. And now back to the main show. Matt, what was your um, favourite bit of Star Wars outside the first nine movies? For me, it's um, the Knights of the Old Republic series. Um, So, number one and number two. Um, They are uh, sort of early noughties uh, RPGs. And um, one was produced by BioWare. And the follow-up was produced by Obsidian, who both both are really great in their own rights, um, and they've worked together previously before. I think in the future, things like Fallout and Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, I think they um, worked but, on Neverwinter Nights together. I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so they were both kind of old-school, um, early Norse RPGs. Um, with really rich storytelling and things like you would have dialogue with loads of characters, but you would have loads of different options. And rather than just these days, a wheel, which is like the good answer, the bad answer, the sassy answer, the the dialogue was quite comprehensive and you'd have a lot of story going on. Um, and I think for me, the reason why I like them is for two reasons, which both games do differently. Um, so the setting is 4,000 years prior to the films. Um, and that just gave them a lot of creative freedom. And it actually they delve into kind of the universe a lot more without the kind of um, Jedi and Sith and all the characters that that we're used to. So they can actually do a lot more and um, expand on the canon. Um, the first one is kind of takes all the elements that was great in what was the original trilogy, the only sort of really, the only films until... 
uh, Phantom Menace and Clone Wars came along. Um, all the best kind of elements of Star Wars. So you've got the um, heroines who are ragtag. You've got a overwhelming power of like a Sith Empire. Um, and then you've got um, a kind of build up to massive wars. You've got redemption. You've got all the best elements, you know. Um, and it was kind of the, the story was a very similar um, in terms of essence to the original trilogy but um, was great in its own right and was fantastic at exploring especially like um, more culture around the Jedi and more culture around the Sith um, you'd go to like the Sith homeworld and pretend to be a Sith you'd also go to the Jedi temple and train um, go to all these different planets which are only mentioned sort of in the series so really really great um, but my favourite was the sequel, uh, which was uh, Sith Lords. Um, and what I loved about that was, whereas the first game was like a construction of everything great about Star Wars, the sequel was a deconstruction of everything about Star Wars. And um, its overarching point was exploring um, being grey in the Force. So in both games, there's an alignment system um, do bad things, you get dark side points, do good things, you get light side points, and that unlocks different skills. But in the sequel, um, it had a lot more significance to that, and you had one character who has been sort of referred to as one of the best video game characters ever created, uh, Kreia, who acts as like your mentor. She's a fallen Jedi and former Sith Lord, so outcast from both, but the way when you have conversations with her, and the way she talks about the Force, and actually kind of similar to what we see in the Clone Wars and um, Rebels and Rogue One, where it's actually showing the, the light side and the dark side are actually not that dissimilar, and actually people are doing things what they think is great, when actually it's not. And um, the whole story is just a lot darker, and it's a lot of a darker, edgier Star Wars that you don't really get, um, especially in the main sort of film series um, because it's all about um, being disillusioned with the Jedi and their hypocrisy but also um, the extremisms of the Sith and where because um, you basically play uh, someone who's been outcast from uh, from the Jedi and then the Jedi were extinct and then now you have to kind of reconnect and decide whether to build them up again or become a new, effectively, tyrant. And it's just, yeah, to be honest, it was just a fantastic story, but the premise and the way they really deconstructed the Force and what is actually good and evil was really profound, really profound. Yeah, I mean, the twist at the... It's about a third of the way through the first game. And I think that was like one yeah. of the first big video game reveals that absolutely shocked me. It was like, yeah. It starts off with it, every single RPG where you just you're a no person. You create your entire character. You do all your create your face, put all your stats together, make your own backstory in your head, and then for the twist to come along, and it's it's, it's very powerful the way they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and you get that whole relationship as well with Bastilla Shen, and that whole kind of a Jedi falls in love again, and. This, this is the whole hypocrisy of the Jedi and it's like emotions can't be just washed away it's how do you deal with that 
And I think that's very dealt with greatly in the first one. And as you mentioned, Kreia is one of the most fascinating video game characters I've ever dealt with and come across. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I'll stop talking about it in a minute, but I think that there's one bit, really, that always sticks with me um, that I've never seen in either video game since. And it was, you basically get onto... You land on a planet, and it's essentially another um, another kind of Coruscant-style uh, yeah. planet. And um, straight off the ship, you get a beggar come up to you and ask for credits. And you can either obviously give them credits, say no, kill them, whatever. But um, if you give them credits, um, Kraya will then come to you in a vision and go, why have you done that? And you can be like, well, you know, because it's the right thing to do. And then she shows you what happens next, where basically he gets mugged and killed for the credits. And the point she made was effectively the whole game summarised is um, what I said what you're doing, what you may think is, is right, and you'll get light points for it, but actually that resulted in his death because he didn't help himself, and actually um, people cannot just rely on these overpowered Jedi overlords to protect them. There has to be a lot more to it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. And um, there's a really good um, restored content mod because Obsidian had to cut a lot of the game out, unfortunately, to hit release, hit the release window. But I think if you pick it up on Steam, there's a mod which you can get which restores a lot of the content that was cut out. I mean, especially around HK, who is the model of all sassy Star Wars droids that come along ever since afterwards. I think K2SO was pretty much just HK50 lifted from Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2 and just slotted into a movie. Absolutely. Um, just all the best quips, and also what I liked was um, a lot of the characters. If they were, a, if if they were a sort of a baddie yeah. in your party, they would still be a baddie, and they would not budge at all. Yeah. And HK was perfect for that because he would remind you every now and then that he could just kill you if he wanted to. <laughs> I love it how he describes every single organic being as a meat bag in that game. Meat bag, yeah. And very much, you can see Bender from Futurama might have taken some influence from that a little bit as well. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, so outside the main nine movies, my favourite things. I was going to mention Knights of the Old Republic too, but as you've covered that off very well, Matt, I'm going to delve into my other favourite Star Wars video game franchise, which is outside of the main nine movies, which was the X-wing series of games. So this is some of LucasArts' finest work, in my opinion. Uh, going back very ver- early to X-Wing and TIE Fighter, then X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Uh, these were pretty much put you right in the middle of the action in wonderful 90s graphics. Uh, but you're basically in in whatever fighter you wanted to be in. You could be in an X-Wing, an A-Wing, a B-Wing, a Y-Wing, uh, Imperial Shuttle, some of the Marcel gunboats, TIE Fighters... Thai defenders, Thai bombers, Thai interceptors. It really helped, like, just drop you into the middle of a Star Wars space battle, which is a, the part of Star Wars which I loved the most as a kid. I mean, who doesn't want to watch f- lasers fly off and things go bang? I mean, that that's like the perfect thing for a kid, and to be able to do that and be in it, it was fantastic for me. But X Wing Alliance, which was the final one and the pinnacle of the series, actually had a really good storyline to it as well you saw this family who were just trying to do right just trying to keep out of the war as much as possible they get involved with giving back to to the um 
rebels after the Battle of Hoth because they can't get a supplier, and then the Empire comes, blows up their base, and then you see them descend into being part of the the Rebel Alliance from that, and it's all due to one decision, which... And you can see like this path that they have in the war in the Azamine family. And you get Dash Rendar in there, who's a great character from the Star Wars books. And unfortunately is being consigned to the Legends part of the franchise. But having him involved in the game was great for me as a kid because I loved the Star Wars books. And like the whole Jedi Academy and all those series of novels that you got, which were like just pulpy, brilliant sci-fi short sci-fi novels for me when I was a kid. So that's pretty much one of my favourite part of the franchises. Uh, we haven't really spoke about The Mandalorian, which is finally now all available in the UK. After they finally finally released the final episode last Friday uh, at time of recording. So again, this has just been Akira Kurosawa's Star Wars, I think is the way to describe it. It feels like it's a bit full circle, where you get like this... Uh, You've got George Lucas is being influenced by these heavily Japanese stylized movies in the 70s. And now we seem to have gone full circle with Jean Favreau and Dave Filoni giving us Star Wars Samurai, which is pretty much how I'd describe The Mandalorian if you watched it. It's just this whole lone wolf and cub pretty much lifted and seven samurais in there and all the Wild West slash samurai tropes that you get in tech getting there the badass walking through town with explosions happening around him all the time paying no attention all the little side missions that you get in uh, a friend of the show nate crowley's written a really good article about it on rock paper shotgun which is basically where it just says it, like the mandalorian is an rpg game where you're where you're just sitting and watching somebody else playing an rpg the mandalorian is the, the no-name character who you just throw everything to your stats you get equipment upgrades you get parties you get a cleric join you <laughs> you get the sniper you get the tech person join you halfway through so it's pretty much like watching an rpg game it's like a let's play where there's no person annoyingly narrating over the top of it <laughs> I think with the Mandalorian, I'd like a bit more spacey stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last episode I watched was The Prisoner, yeah. which um, has a bit more stuff. You get you get three X fly, X wings flying, yeah. in, kind of piloted by Dave Filoni and a couple of other people <laughs> that are um, you got Clancy Brown members as of the well. shows. Good old yeah, Savage but Clancy Brown just doing the just doing the his character from Highlander, which is just, just <laughs> even the voice. It was just kind he's of already been Savage <laughs> Opera, so he can get to have yeah. a bit more character to him. But I think I think for me at the moment, Mandalorian's a bit too grounded. Yeah. It's a bit too much just kind of walking around fields kind of stuff, which is kind of cool. But I get that in a lot of other shows. I want a little bit more yeah. spacey stuff. You know, mm. just, you know, being out there because he's got this cool shit. Yeah. And at least with with rebels, they had the ghost, which was a cool ship, and they did stuff with it in space. Yeah. So rebels was that perfect balance of kind of having some grounded stuff that was happening on planets, yeah. but also the stuff where they went out and found the B rings and do all this kind of stuff. So I'd like the Mandalorian to do a little bit more of that. You know, if you're going to have this the Razor Crest as this kind of yeah. ultimate ship, do do a bit more with it than just be like, you know, a playpen for Baby Yoda. What I'd love is if they picked up from where 1313, the cancelled LucasArts game, was going to. Mm. Go into Coruscant, go into the dirty underworld level of stuff. Because we get a little bit of that in Clone Wars, you get a little bit of Rebels, you get 
one scene per Star Wars movie seems to be mandatory where they're in a bar somewhere and stuff happens, but you never actually get to see this like thriving underworld properly. You don't you don't get to see all what happens and that's what I'd love for Mandalorian to go into a little bit more. Go and like hide on Nalhutta or somewhere like that. Or a, a planet where it's got a got somewhere Yeah. Where you can I think they ham strung themselves with this first season having the child be so wanted by everybody because he really can't go anywhere because everybody's got that it seems like everybody in the galaxy's got it's like the end of john wick <laughs> too where everybody seems to have like a little tracker they, they kind of the producers must have gone yeah that bit at the end of john wick that's really cool where everybody's after him so like everybody's going to be after baby yoda so basically is baby yoda going to end up growing up to be voiced by Keanu Reeves at some point. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. He's going to grow up. Oh, cool, dude. Could you imagine Keanu Reeves speaking in Yoda's speaking pattern? Yeah. Way new. Whoa, whoa. excellent this is. I think as well, um, it's, it's a bit weird because uh, that episode you talk about the prisoner, um, you're absolutely right because a lot of the series is very sort of backwater planets, um, western style, whereas that is kind of a bit more sort of spacey. But actually, I found that was kind of the most out of place episode because you had the kind of it was just really generic um, storytelling, like all the characters were really one dimensional, ragtag. You had the, the super tough one, the sassy chick kind of thing, and it was just a little bit, they were trying a bit too hard to come across as sort of like evil, bad, cool, super cool characters. And I just thought it kind of was a bit jarring compared to the rest of the series. I think having Richard Iowadi as tech support in the show doesn't really help the situation. (laughs) Yeah, if you've ever seen him on Gadget Man, you know this is not going to end well. Uh, it was just it was just a bit jarring compared to the other episodes because you just had a bunch of characters who weren't really that fleshed out and um, they were all kind of champing at the bit to get their their moment across and they're really hamming it up I think yeah. as their characters and it was just a bit disappointing compared to how well and how paced the rest of the episode's gone but that's just my opinion yeah I mean you could tell it was like here to give us some backstory to the Mandalorian but it wasn't as deftly handled as the other episodes in the series to say to say it nicely i think it was a little bit uh, as you as you said it felt out of place for the rest of the series well um other big shouts out outside the franchise uh the fallen order game has been a great revival of after a few few issues with certain EA exclusivity over <laughs> Star Wars for the last couple of years, to describe it mildly. I mean, I think Battlefront 2 is at the stage now where... EA suddenly realising that a single-player story-driven game in Star Wars might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, really good if you wanted to pick up on that. That's pretty much our recommendations for stuff outside the Star Wars 9 films that you might not have watched. So, uh, to recap, Keith... Gendy Tatovsky's Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars Rebels from Dave Filoni. Yes, Lee? Uh, the disco version of Cantina Band. <laughs> the, the, the most popular yes. choice. And Matt? Uh, yeah. Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, which is actually on sale at Steam right now. So Always, always worth picking up. And for me, it was the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter series games and Mandalorian as well, which is 
Really, really recommended. Again, Dave Filoni, John Favreau doing great work on that. So, Lee, a few video games are due to come out over the next few weeks. So, would you mind just giving us a quick update on stuff we can see that mm-hmm. might be appearing in our game library soon? Yes. Um, in fact, let's move on directly from Star Wars because um, we're getting a re-release of Star Wars Episode One Racer, which is coming to the Switch and PS4, I believe. I'm not sure if that's like a full remaster or if it's just like a quick, quick and cheap port. Yeah. But it's definitely coming to both systems. It was they were going to come out at the same time, but I think the PS4 one's been delayed by two weeks for some reason. But Switch one's out very, very soon. The Switch is also getting a bunch of other remasters because it's also getting the Xenoblade remaster, which is like a big sprawling RPG that was originally on the Wii. Uh, if you've played Smash Brothers and wondering who the hell Shulk is, play Xenoblade remastered and you'll find out. And also there is a Wii U game getting released, but not just on the Switch, it's also coming out on PC and PS4 as well, which is find really odd but it's um platinum's the wonderful 101 is coming out as well that recently got kickstarter for the remaster that's coming out this month let's see there's not a lot else coming out this month the switch is getting another sort of exclusive multiplayer title sort of similar to like splatoon and arms although i think nintendo don't own this one and it's called um Ninja La, and it's basically like a ninja fighting game kind of thing. It's like a big sort of arena battle type thing. And you have Ninja Gum, which allows you to like gain different powers. It's a very weird, colorful multiplayer game for the Switch. There's only really two other games that I can really bring up. The first is a game called Man Eater, which I like to refer to as Titled Shark Game. <laughs> I was thinking more of Hall of Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe Nelly yeah, Furtado yeah. for a little bit of a more recent musical reference. <laughs> when I do when I do my write up, the, the Hall of Notes will be coming out. So you know, but basically, Man Eater is you're a shark. Time to go off and do shark things. The developers are referring to it as a shark PG. So yeah, it's basically just like you're a shark and you just eat people and do whatever sharks do. It looks. And it looks like it's just being completely ridiculous with it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, is the big boss going to be either Jathan Statham or Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> with with the tone that they've been putting out in the trailers, I wouldn't be surprised. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, and then uh, the only sort of other major release this month, and arguably the biggest one, which surprises me to say this, is Minecraft Dungeons. Um, which is uh, basically, it's Minecraft, but it's Diablo. <laughs> which is an odd combination, but they've decided we're going to do a Minecraft Diablo for some reason. And that's coming out this month. And that honestly looks like the biggest race, because it was going to be The Last of Us 2, but that, of course, has been delayed. I, I thought they'd got so. all the mileage humanly possible out of Minecraft. I mean, it's had a Telltale game series. Oh it's no! It's had RTX support <laughs> dropped into it. it it's had Dan TGM become <laughs> a thing, apparently. Minecraft toys in shops, but no, let's do another Minecraft. <laughs> Have we had mm-hmm. Minecraft Monopoly yet? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Have we? Hasbro uh, have missed probably, out on yeah. money making opportunity at any point ever in their entire history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just shocked at Manita giving sharks a bad reputation once yeah. again. Poor sharks. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not as bad as orcas. Yeah. Why isn't it? Why aren't orcas getting the bad rap? 
you know, poor sharks just doing their thing. Well, I think one of the tra- one of the trailers actually does kind of address this. It points out that like more sharks are killed by people each year than people killed by sharks. And it's suggesting that maybe now the sharks should get their revenge <laughs> and even the odds a bit. So time, I'm looking for the I'm looking forward to the sequel where shark and goose team up to give mankind the worst kind of time ever. They might even strap a laser beam to its head. You never know. It's just like timed up for like shark week. That's why you can throw things in the river in goose game. It, it's giving supplies to the shark. I was going to say, is this tied up for Shark Week on Discovery at any point? <laughs> Surely that's a marketing opportunity not to be missed. Probably. I mean, you just bought. I wouldn't be surprised. Just buy the entire marketing content block for that week, wouldn't you? People who people who like sharks are going to be watching that week. <laughs> this is time to advertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonderful one hundred and one. I do remember playing yep. it on the yep. Wii. So yeah, that, that was a very interesting game. Very mm-hmm. beautiful Joe kind of art mm-hmm. style, if you remember that game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the it's same. The same, I think the same director, the same director actually. Think, yeah. yeah, 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 and I think uh, there's also yeah. a new game because pl- I know that like Beautiful Joe is made by Clover, who became Platinum, and that's kind yeah. of where it comes from. Yeah. So, and I know talking of Star Wars games is uh, Jedi Fallen Order's just had a big free content update. And I think uh, they've added a new game plus mode, which was mm-hmm. something that was very much shouted out for when the game dropped. And it was kind of, they've had to do a lot of work to get a new game plus mode that doesn't mm-hmm. break the game because of how you progress with the story is very much mm-hmm. how you unlock powers and stuff in the way if you've played Fallen Order. So it's very hard to create a new game plus that doesn't just break it from day one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so some interesting mm-hmm. games coming out there in the future. It's been it's looking like a quite a quiet month though for me, yeah. unfortunately. We're getting a few bigger things over the summer, it looks like, but this month. I think because we've had like the big stuff in March and April, yeah. I think things have just kind of quiet, quietened down a bit for me. Well, probably expecting people to just about get around to finishing Doom or maybe get to the stage where they're getting a bit bored mm. of their island in Animal. Final Fantasy VII, Resident Evil 3. There's been some big heavy hitters over the last few weeks. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, sign up to our RSS feed to get future episodes. Keith, where can we find you online elsewhere than the Geeky Brummy? Other than Geeky Other Brummy, Geeky. Uh, you, you can um, track me down on Twitter at hardluck underscore hotel and then on Instagram and other places without the underscore. Um, do not expect any quality content at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's just random things that pop into my head that I go, I should probably not post that on the internet, but oh well. Do expect counter killer episodes because um, that's the other thing that comes up when you search hard luck hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and not even the good counter killer like he was in Danger Mouse, the kind of rubbishy one that he had when he had his own series. It's like, what did you do to him? <laughs> he was a good character in Danger Mouse and then he ruined it in his own TV show. Um, but yeah, you could watch those. Or search for the Donnie and Marie Star Wars special and watch that. Or don't. Probably not a good idea. Actually. Why are you in that, so, Keith? I'm not in here. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> definitely not third Stormtrooper from not the Not old enough to be in. Stormtrooper number 10. Yeah. The short He's the one, one who whacks his head when he walks through the door. <laughs> 
Matt, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mr. Matt Level or on Instagram at Matchstick underscore Matt. And Lee, where can we find your exploits online? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret, and you can find me on Twitter under the same name for updates on that channel. And my personal Twitter is the Cheap Ferret. And if you want to support that uh, channel at all, uh, I'm also on Patreon at uh, Bob the Pet Ferret as well, which I always keep forgetting to push. <laughs> so I've remembered this time. <laughs> And you can find me not complaining about Greg Wallace at the minute because his MasterChef has finished. He's still on Inside the Factory, though, and he must be the most <laughs> annoying co-worker known to man. Other than that, you can find us all at geekybrimmy.com, where Lee's gaming update and Keith's comics roundup goes up every week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, at our sister account, Geeky Goings On, which basically tells you the stuff that's probably going to be coming up next year at the moment or what's been delayed and what's been cancelled so keep subscribed to that for updates on what's not happening uh, and we're actually on Kofi as well, I always forget to plug that we've got kofi.com forward slash geeky roomy if you want to ever throw us a tip and we've got a YouTube channel so that's also worth checking out so geeky roomy on YouTube, give it a search we'll make some new content for yeah. that Soon. I, I mean, we usually report back from One day. Like, comic conventions and stuff like that, and yeah, 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 yeah. I might just put like a comic <laughs> one of me in the garden with me, just like <laughs> with different wigs on, <laughs> pretending to be different comic artists. <laughs> I'll just host my own panel. Oh, I thought you meant like your own cosplay competition in the yeah, garden. That'd be cool. I'd host my own panel. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'll just throw all of my toys on the bed. Are you like, all three people on the phone? Extortionately bad pricing yeah. money. <laughs> Do you want that McDonald's uh, Star Wars toy? T- 20 quid, yeah. yeah. Unwrapped. Uh, mint, mint in box Jar Jar Binks, 400 quid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, That's probably a good deal. The only other thing I remember <laughs> to mention while we're on here, read the Darth Jar Jar theory of Star Wars. It makes you hate oh, that's brilliant. the character slightly less if you've never heard the theory, <laughs> which is basically Darth Jar Jar is Darth Plagueis and he's the one orchestrating the entirety of the prequel movies from the background, which would does kind of make a weird sense if you watch it back. Really good theory. <laughs> I'm sure it's a Reddit post somewhere. But other than that, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you soon. Bye, everybody. May the force be with you. Write a review, and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it, and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butt off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? it lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. 
write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. PodRev Day, because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag PodRev Day, P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.